Welcome to the Money Buddy Podcast. If you want to reach your full potential in life and finances, your search is over. Filling your head with knowledge and your pockets with money. This is the Money Buddy Podcast. Now, introducing your host, Buddy Miller. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me and coming back. I just want to say thank you to everyone that's uh, given me a listen and given me a chance. Um, I'm really surprised by the feedback and uh, the audience that I've gotten with just a couple episodes, which I just kind of threw together. And uh, I'm going to keep this thing going and keep giving you guys content as much as I possibly can. Today I found up found out I got picked up by a sixth platform. We're now, you know, we're on Anchor and SoundCloud. We first got picked up by Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, and Breaker. The Google Podcast one, I got a notification this morning. That's pretty exciting. I'm not sure the process they go to to pick up podcasts. I'm glad they did. So here we are. I'm on a lot of different platforms, and hopefully there's more to come. I know there's a lot of platforms out there. Um, But of course, Spotify, you can listen for free. Um, It's not like music where you have to, you know, you pick an artist and it does random music. On Spotify, you can select specific podcasts, and they'll all be on there. Yeah. And again, uh, moneybuddypodcast.com is for you guys, free resources, and you know I'll, I'll throw episodes on there as well. But uh, you know, as long as they're out on these platforms, I think that's probably where most of my traffic is going to come from. But you know, I do want to put a blog and certain things like that on my website. So check it out from time to time. Might have some new stuff. And of course, as I explained before, I do have some free tools for establishing a budget and some early retirement calculators, which are pretty cool. I want to get some other business resources on there, uh, some of the things that I used when I started some of my businesses, things such as like a break-even analysis, business plan templates perhaps, things like that. So I'd uh, love for you guys to check it out. So I did have some questions, and I said that I'd come back on and answer some more questions in depth from expanding from my last podcast. So here we go. Question number one, should I be saving 15% of my gross or my net pay and that is from Jen in Little Rock well thank you Jen for the question this really depends you know it depends what you have tied up in other debt um, we do want to do all we can to get our consumer debt paid off first however gross we want to pay 15% of our gross income um, but you do want to ask what goals do you have um, for that money? If you want to work your entire life and you don't want to retire, some people just love to work, you don't need to be at that 15% number. If you want to you know, retire young, maybe you want to have more than that 15% number, but you know, it definitely just uh, depends on your situation. I have a little bit of a chart here that I actually borrowed from Mr. Money Mustache, who a lot of you might be familiar with. He is... I don't want to say he's famous for it, but he is known for helping people retire before the age of 30. He was a grinder. He saved, I want to say it was 70 plus percent of his income and was able to retire very young. He, you know, went as far as riding a bike to work and, you know, he has kids and all that. So it's, it's possible for anybody to do that. I highly suggest checking out Mr. Money Mustache. Anyways, here's what he put together on his website that I'm borrowing for him. If you have a 5% saving rate, it'll take you 66 years, working years, until retirement. If you have a 
10%, it'll take you 51 years. And the 15% that I recommend is the bare minimum. It'll take you 43 years to retire. So, you know, do the math your age now. You know, I, I might have to get Mr. Money Mustache's um, permission to put this on my website. But you know what? You won't need it because I do have a retirement calculator that uh, tells you the same information in a roundabout way. You can check that out. Just an example, if you did save 70% like Mr. Money Mustache did, you could retire in eight and a half years. And he is factoring, I believe, a 4% withdrawal rate. So basically what that, this means is if you're living off 30% of, or yeah, 30% of your income and saving 70%, then it's figuring that after you retire, you would only need that 30% you're living off now into the future every year. So that's, that's where that eight and a half years is coming from, from a 70% saving rate at a 4% withdrawal rate. Okay. Again, that's 15% of your gross pay. Okay. Next question is from Jake in Reno. Where should I invest first if I am just starting out? Okay. Thank you, Jake. The first place I would say to invest if you have a 401k through an employer, if they have a match. So you want to invest up to that match. It's it's most likely 3%. That's typically what employers will match is 3%. But you might be one of those people that get 6-7% match. I know someone that gets a 15% match. So you definitely want to start with the match because that's essentially free money. Most 401ks, you can, you're very limited in what you can do with that money. But usually they have target date funds. My 401k, you know, it has a 2060 target date for retirement. And that's just more aggressive. If I wanted to move that down to a you know, 2035, 2040 target date, it would just be more conservative funds because it's factoring that you're going to be retiring sooner. So it puts you in more conservative things. So you don't have drastic swings downward, which you could have with a more aggressive target date. Second, you want to max out your Roth IRA. And this depends on your income. I believe that it's uh, I have to maybe check on this for a future episode, but I want to say it's $150,000 a year is the income cutoff for a Roth IRA. And you can put $6,000 a year into that. And in a Roth IRA, that money will grow tax-free. So once the money is in there, you can trade within your IRA without triggering a 1099 tax form. So you won't have to report any earnings on your taxes and that'll grow tax-free until you retire. If you do pull it out early, there is a penalty. 59 and a half is how old you need to be before you can pull that out without a penalty. And who knows, in the future, those, those ages might change. That's where it is today. After you have done your 401k match and you've maxed out your Roth IRA, go back to a 401k and max that out. In 2021, the new maximum is $19,500 per year. And if you can get a Roth 401k that can also grow tax-free, use that. Okay, So now you have $25,500 invested plus whatever your employer matches. You're doing pretty well. Okay, the next place I would recommend, if you have children, invest into a 529 for your children so they're so you can pay for their college, okay? And 
The reason I recommend doing that is because if you can pay for your children's college and give them a head start on life and not have to worry about student loans, you will put your children in an amazing place. And that's just a gift for your for your kids, right? You love your children. You want the very best for them. Put money in a 529. We put $200 a month for our kids into a 529. You can, you can put it all to your oldest kid if you'd like. And if there's funds left over when they do go to school, that can be transferred to the next kid. And it can be used for any schooling. If you put it in your own name and you decide to go back to school, you can use it for yourself as well. And that's all expenses for the most part while they're going to school. Um, room and board, books, and obviously tuition. The last place after your 401k, your Roth, going back to max your 401k, 529. The fifth place is real estate and starting a business. Real estate's just a good place where you can get consistent returns every year. If you can pay cash or use cash for your real estate, you're just in that much better of a situation. And you can just kind of keep rolling that back in, right? You use that money, you can invest it back into your properties, take tax deductions, or as you you know stack up the money from your real estate business, if you're not dependent on your real estate income, you can use that money to buy additional properties. And just kind of use that to snowball your net worth, right? And kind of with number five, it could even be a sixth would be starting a business. If there's something that you are good at and you want to do maybe on the side of your day job, start a business. Just an example, if you have a service that you provide and you can net, let's say $100,000 a year, you have a business that's worth probably $400,000 plus if it's a marketable business that you could sell to someone, someone else could pick up and do the same work. Um, so that is a very great place if you want to expand your net worth. 100,000 gross doesn't mean anything to me. We want to look at net because if, let's say you gross 100,000 but you spend 90,000, you're really not making that much, you're 10,000 in the green. And if, you know, if, you, if you're doing that full time, you're not, I mean, it's not really worth your time. Obviously when business first start, you're going to be there, but as we, you know, we get to that year three, four, five, we want to be making pretty good cash flow for it to be worth our time. So yeah, I hope that answers your question, Jake. If you have any additional questions, again, moneybuddypodcast.com, hit me up and I will answer in more depth and detail. Yeah. So the next question here is Alex in North Dakota. Hi, Alex. I'm actually out of South Dakota. If you ever get down this way, look me up. Love to talk to you. And Alex says, I cannot get a bank loan to start a business. What do I do? Okay. Uh, Thanks for the question, Alex. There's actually quite a few options you can look at. You can start small without a loan. Um, You really, you know, within your means, start small, fail small. You know, there's people start businesses every day and a lot of times they scale those up way too high and they, they fail big. And I'm not saying that you're going to fail, but you you need to be prepared for that situation. So you're better off starting small and make sure it's something that you enjoy and you're good at and something that you can scale up methodically and not uh, put all your eggs in one basket at once. People often try to, you know, they start businesses and scale them up too quickly. And sometimes growing too fast is the worst thing that can happen to your business because you haven't been able to manage your business on a small scale yet. It's hard to manage it on a large scale. So once you get those initial expenses and costs under control and you understand what those are, it's easier to run and scale up your business in a smart, methodical way. 
use your basement or garage. You don't need a storefront. Use You have the internet, the internet at your disposal. You can even be an Amazon Prime seller. A lot of people have had success there. Um, I've looked into it myself. The products that I make are, they weigh quite a bit. So Amazon Prime hasn't really been cost effective that I've seen to this point. Maybe something will change in the future or maybe they'll offer something that uh, would make more sense for what I do. But yeah, try to start in your house, in your basement, market to people that you know. You don't need to have um, a big storefront, big sign on the busiest street in town when you're when you're just starting a business. So maybe you can do it without a loan, Alex. And my last piece of advice there would be uh, keep your day job. Don't. Some people, you know, they get they get big dreams in their head right away, and they say, you know, I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna just go off and do my business, and they don't have a plan. You need to have a plan. Ease into it. It's the better choice. Other thing to think about, Alex, do you have some maybe some savings that you can dip into to, again, start it smaller without uh, going to a bank? Angel investors are an option. You can see if there's angel investors in your area. Um, more or less, that's like Shark Tank without um, all the drama and theatrics. And there's just people that you can bring your business plan to and you know they take a look at it and see if it's something they want to get involved in. Usually, it's similar to a loan from a bank probably has a little higher interest rates because they're taking that chance on you or they may retain some ownership in your company. Uh, so if you're prepared to do that where you give away a little ownership, you know, angel investing is a place to look. Another thing you could do is you could find um, a silent partner that's willing to just be the money of the operation while you do a lot of the day-to-day -day work. A lot of times these people don't really care what goes on. They might pop in every once in a while, but they want to see those financial statements. If they're giving you money to start your business. The one thing is, if you do have a lot of success, it can be hard to get rid of these people, right? Because they, you know, that's part of it. If you need to go get money for initial startup, they might be with you in the long haul. And, you know, they're looking to make 10, 20 times on their money. You want to have something in writing from the very beginning that is an out for that person. Maybe it's once they make a certain return, or maybe it's just a certain number that they get return on their investment every year. There's a lot of things to work out, but you want to work those things out up front. Uh, the other, yeah, this other, this other um, place is something I remember just from business school. We had a professor, uh, his name was Craig Silvernagel, awesome professor. I had a lot of classes with him because when I went to college, my major was new, um, and he ran probably half of the classes in that major. But he had a saying where he said, the three Fs, families, Family, friends, and fools. If you need an investor, uh, <laughs> fools is probably just another term for angel investors, like I had said, or just you know people that have money to spend. And they're looking for a place to invest it. Maybe they want to take a shot on you. Family, if you have family that you know is willing to invest in you and believes in you, you know, or again, friends, uh, same concept. Maybe you have a friend that uh, they have some extra money where they they want to invest it somewhere maybe maybe you're that avenue for them they want to be outside the stock market or outside real estate and they want to get into a business but they don't want to be involved day to day family friends and fools uh thanks alex that's a good question hopefully hopefully that helps you a little bit without having to go to the bank okay next question um i think it's deontay because it has a apostrophe in it deontay from omaha and he says, do you recommend crypto cryptocurrency? Do you recommend cryptocurrency? To be 100% honest with you, I don't know enough to properly answer that question. 
Um, but I tell you what, if you keep listening to my show, I am going to have some people on that I know are big into crypto. And if you know, I'll have them come on and talk about it more in depth. I don't really want to give an answer on it. But what I would say is with crypto, Bitcoin, I'll use an example. I've always felt like I was late to the party because I didn't invest back in you know 2010 when people were starting to talk about that. I believe, you know, $5 invested then would be worth thousands. But uh, yeah, I'll have, I'll have some people come on and talk about, talk about crypto and blockchain because I, re- I want to know more about it, to be honest. And I want to know if that's something I should have a portion of my portfolio in. I don't today. I have, you know, I have less than $1,000 in crypto. And that's just because I, I felt like I needed something in there. But there's a lot of different options out there. But I don't think many of them are legit. A lot of them are just speculative, you know, day trading, you know, get in and get out. If there's something out there that you can buy and hold, I'd love to have some of my some of my people on to talk about that and uh, hopefully give you a uh, more clear answer on that, Deontay. Thank you, Deontay from Omaha. The last question here is from Jess in Ohio. And Jess says, I don't have time to budget every month and I track I, oh, I don't have time to budget every month or track my expenses. Is there any apps I can use to make it quicker? Uh, short answer is yes. There's a lot of apps in the App Store. There's the Every Dollar app from Ramsey Solutions that I've heard a lot of good things about. Um, also, like I was saying earlier, my website, I have a spreadsheet, budget spreadsheet, that you can plug in all your numbers into, and it's really easy and really the hardest time you're going to have is if you have a spouse is probably getting your spouse to sit down with you and make and create that budget. And the first time you do it is probably going to be the most difficult because right now you don't know where your money's going, but grab a statement that you have and uh, just kind of make some notes and maybe circle some things where you're like, I don't even remember buying this or bought this. I didn't need it. Or, you know, some banks will even sort out how much you spend in certain categories. Like if you're spending way too much to go out to eat, you might be able just to pull that up from your bank and they might sort it out for you on their their app or website and it might say you know you're spending you know thousand dollars a month on going out to eat and and getting drinks and that's that's too much especially if uh, you want to be an investor when people say they don't have enough time to meet their goals i like to explain this stat to them is there's 168 hours in every single week okay if you spend 40 hours of your week at work and you spend 56 hours sleeping that's eight hours a night you have 72 hours left you have time Jess to to do your budget you have 72 hours to do it and if you take one or two hours and just kind of look just look at it gloss over it buckle down for just a couple solid hours I believe in you you can do it yeah, and you say, well, I mean, I probably take two or three hours to eat all my meals every day. Uh, there's still time left, okay? You have time. You have time to play with your kids. You have time to um, open your mail. You have time to do a lot of things, okay? You still even have time to do a little Netflix in there. But, Jess, you have time to do a budget. Love to see you do one. And when you do, I'd like to hear your feedback on how that goes. Thank you for listening. This was just kind of a little questionnaire um, podcast today. But if you have any questions like these people today, please submit them to me at moneybuddypodcast.com. Let me know where you're from, what your name is, and I will 
put your question on the show. Right now, 100% of the questions that have been submitted to me are in this episode. So it's a great opportunity for you to get some airtime. Love to hear from you. We'll see you next time. This is the Money Buddy Podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed listening, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. To submit questions to the show, visit us at moneybuddypodcast.com. We'll catch you in the next episode.